Good evening, everyone. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Uh, We're going to talk about autism, and particularly Asperger's syndrome and the high-functioning autism, what we people would quote-unquote high-functioning autism. Um, There's a lot of beef with that within the community of people because um, people think high-functioning and low-functioning is just if you can talk or if you can speak or not. And oftentimes that has nothing to do with how well you function in society and how well you uh, maintain employment or do traditional things that we would look at in terms of functioning. Um, So um, one of the things that you'll find with me is that I don't really like to talk about functioning functioning levels so much. Um, I want to talk about quality of life and happiness Um, because what what is uh, uh, when we think about even with psychosis, for example, when we think about good outcomes, um, everybody's got a def- different definition of what a good outcome is. But if we define good outcomes as pure happiness, then I think that our, you know, our outcomes um, are always going to be good if we're happy. So no matter what our situation is, if, we, if we're happy, you know, our outcome is always going to be good. And, that, and that's really, really helpful. So um, there there's several different things going on here with autism and psychosis, right? Um, one of the things is that individuals with autism spectrum disorder, like myself, can have comorbid diagnoses or coexisting conditions, and so that really um, puts a damper on your mental health. Um, and having a developmental disability, that makes it really hard to function and to be able to um, get along well in society. And so that, that complicates your, your life a little bit. Um, that mental illness makes life a little bit harder than the autism. But you've got two things working together, right? You've got the autism and you've got the mental illness. And those things are both working together to uh, make your life difficult. Um, but the other thing and the other phenomenon that is happening that people aren't noticing yet, um, there's some research coming out that um, people who are on the spectrum who are high-functioning Asperger's syndrome are actually experiencing quite a bit of psychosis that's not really related or identifiable by a coexisting mental health condition. So we've got individuals with autism spectrum disorder, ASD, um, who are higher functioning, who have maybe experienced quite a bit of social rejection, um, some social, social isolation, and some things like that, who are just uh, off starting to form psychosis because of their experiences. Now, a lot of that could be uh, attributed to trauma, possibly, but, I mean, there's other things going on, um, the social rejection, the social isolation. Isolation will get to anyone, whether you're autistic or not. Um, and so I think that's a very, uh, I don't know, it certainly gets to me when I'm alone and don't have my friends to hang out with. Um, I feel much more isolated and unable to take on the world. Um, and so that's really challenging for me and really difficult for me. But it's something that I deal with every day. And um, so I continue to try to live with that. But um, it's very interesting because the two, the two different scenarios, whether it be the, the autism with coexisting mental health conditions or the autism and psychosis that's attributed to autism, um, it, it's fascinating to me because I don't think we have the research yet to know, you know, do we treat those the same way? And, and how do we treat both scenarios? Um, and... It's interesting that as the research comes out, we're finding that maybe the traditional medications that we would use with, with psychosis, um, at least for me, haven't been quite as effective as they would be for someone who was just experiencing psychosis without 
autism being a cause for the psychosis or a trigger for the psychosis. Now, I'm not saying by any means that autism causes psychosis for every single person who has autism. Um, but there seems to be a growing number of people that are higher functioning, what we would typically call higher functioning, um, that are with more of an Asperger's syndrome diagnosis that um, are experiencing the psychosis and um, not responding to the medications in the traditional ways that we would think of people responding to medications. Um, and so it's really going to be fascinating to see what kind of medications come out in the future um, and how we help these people with Asperger's syndrome who are struggling with psychosis like myself. Um, and I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's just a really, it's a, it's a really difficult, it's a long journey. Um, so there are several things that affect our well-being, right? Um, and when you have a develop, developmental disability, that certainly affects our well-being. Um, certainly makes life challenging for us, which is going to cause some depression, some, maybe, even some, maybe even some psychosis. Um, but then you've got people that have coexisting mental health conditions, like myself, autism and schizophrenia. Um, both of those things are going to be, um, affect your functioning. Um, so you've got a double-edged sword for someone with autism and a coexisting mental health condition because, um, not only does the developmental disability affect your functioning level, but also the psychosis can affect how you function. Um, and it's not just people think of, people think of psychosis as positive symptoms um, and there are two parts of psychosis there are positive symptoms and there are negative symptoms and people typically only think of psychosis as positive symptoms and so people are thinking about the hallucinations the delusions uh, you know the, 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 those types of things that you can see and recognize in someone with schizophrenia right um, but we know with schizophrenia and psychosis there are also negative symptoms and those greatly affect a person's ability to function um, someone who's very depressed all the time someone who's flat flat effect someone who doesn't have energy um, like myself when you go through those um, psychotic cycles where your, your positive symptoms you might seem really high and you might not have any negative symptoms, but after you come down off of those positive symptoms, you really develop those negative symptoms. And those sometimes can be, sometimes your outcome can be um, more affected by your negative symptoms than by your positive symptoms because positive symptoms come and go. Yes, they interfere with your ability to keep a job or to go to school or, or things like that. But your positive symptoms, like the hallucinations and delusions and things like that, are going to come and go. They're going to be in cycles. Um, what's always going to be there when you're not having positive symptoms are the negative symptoms. And so our medications not only need to treat the positive symptoms, like they do targeting hallucinations and delusional thinking and things like that, but we also need medications for the negative symptoms severe need for medication for depression for someone with psychosis and schizophrenia there's a severe need for some you know treatment for depression for anxiety all those different things um that we're experiencing and so <clears throat> um psychosis is a very interesting aspect because of the way that it presents itself um someone with psychosis will struggle with social skills no different than someone with autism. It might be for different reasons, and it might be for uh, a whole host of different reasons, but they're both going to struggle. Um, but also, one of the things that I like to talk about and I like to really stress is that for me, in my experience, and this is only my experience, but the way I've received treatment for my Asperger syndrome, 
I feel has really caused me a lot of psychosis because, um, for example, I, I got, I used college financial aid money and I paid for social skills coaching when I was in college and it was really helpful. They helped me meet people. They helped me, you know, they helped me interact with a lot of people and it was, it was fun to actually go out and socialize and meet people and I had a really great time, all these different things. And, um, you know, my services don't do that. So I'm getting counseling, I'm getting um, talk therapy. Basically my treatment for autism and psychosis both consists of talk therapy and medication management. Um, And so those are really, 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 really the only two things that I have going on for me for autism. Now, when we look at things like, for example, someone, a little kid who's autistic is getting 30 to 40 hours a week of ABA therapy and things like that to where they're, they're getting 30 to 40 hours of treatment. Um, they've got a lot going on. They've got a social skills development going on. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of ABA anymore. I used to be, um, but I've had some experiences to where I've started to question ABA a little bit. Uh, but regardless, you're getting a social skills intervention. Um, it's very important for me to work on social skills and to work on social skills training. Um, but social skills coaching is very different than ABA. So um, it's, it's very, um, you know, there's, there's good and bad. There's good and bad. And so, um, but you really got to um, look into the psychosis factor because um, when you ignore, basically what I feel like happens is my autism is getting masked, right? So I'm getting ignored and we're not working on social skills. We're not working on life skills, but we're just doing talk therapy, talk therapy, talk therapy, talk therapy. Well, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about feeling depressed because we don't have social skills. Um, but we're talking about the same thing every single week because we're not working on social skills. Um, and so, you know, you're trying to fire all this counseling, talk therapy, you're firing these antidepressants and antipsychotics at the situation, um, but you're not actually treating the symptoms. Um, you're not treating the social skills. And so I spent the last 10 to 12 years in counseling and taking medications that don't really have a chance of working very well because we aren't treating the social skills. Um, and so when I'm unable to go keep a job, for example, that triggers a whole bout of depression and a whole bout of anxiety. And that triggers, when I, when I do try to go to work, um, it triggers voices and hallucinations and psychosis because I don't feel my social skills are adequate enough to be able to go to work and maintain employment and keep a job and things like that. And so I guess not having a lot of confidence in my own social skills um, kind of triggers my psychosis a little bit um, because, but I just don't feel like we've really ever, it's hard to explain. Like when I was 22 years old and in college and I was working social skills coaches, I felt like I was treating my autism. But now that I don't have social skills coaching, I don't feel like my autism is getting any help. Um, And so it's very hard for me to realize how to to stop the psychosis without social skills coaching, if that makes any sense. It's really hard to stop the psychosis without social skills coaching because I just feel like it bubbles up in my head. Like we're ignoring, the autism is being ignored, the autism is being ignored, and we aren't treating the autism. And so it just creates this big bubble of psychosis for me. um, And it makes it very hard for me to be able to uh, battle through it. And I'll actually have, when I go to work, I'll actually have hallucinations about 
not being the neurotypical or not having a neurotypical girl there with me. Um, my last job, I had a really good job making $19 an hour. Life was great. Life was going good. Um, but then the hallucination started and I started getting these voices saying, you know, you can't go to work if you don't get a hug from a neurotypical girl. Um, and it was so bad and overwhelming that I just, I couldn't force myself to drive into work and go into work with other people because I didn't have a hug from a neurotypical girl. Um, and it was overwhelming and very, and it actually made me triggered a very, like a week and a half, two week long psychotic episode to where I couldn't function. Um, and I needed a neurotypical, no neurotypical friend to literally help me function. Um, and that's just not a healthy way to live for not only myself, but also for my neurotypical friend who works really hard to help me through those situations. Um, but it's just not feasible to take someone with you to work or to, um, you know, to, to go to work with someone or get a hug. It's not feasible to get a hug from someone neurotypical to go to work every single shift that you go to work. And so literally I'm lost this job, $19 an hour job, because I couldn't get a hug to make me feel safe going to work with other people. Um, and, and that's devastating. And so we have to, we have to figure out ways to battle through these situations and to, um, stop the psychosis from coming on when you are experiencing, you know, social isolation and things like that. Um, and so I think it's, it's going to be crucial to find some medication for me that's consistent, that helps me not only not hear voices and have delusions, but also we got to treat the root core of the autism. Um, and so now I admit that treating the social skills aspect has proven to be really difficult in the past seven months during COVID because not only am I sitting at home a lot doing nothing, um, but I am actually, I don't have service supports that take me out in the community anymore. Um, and at least before COVID, I had that. So we could go out to eat at a restaurant or we could go to dinner. We could do all these kinds of different things where I was being social. We might not have been working on social skills, but I was being social within the community and I had a support person to take me out into the community to do that with. Um, and, and that was really helpful. And so... I think um, once COVID clears up and that starts happening again, um, that'll be helpful. And along with some, if we can find the right medication and get into the right kind of talk therapy to where we're talking about social situations and things like that, I really am confident that that's really going to start helping me eliminate some of the psychosis and also help with some of the negative symptoms of the psychosis. Because I think that when I work on social skills, I'm going to be able to um, function so much better and to live such a better life. Um, and I'm really excited about that opportunity and I just think it's going to be a really awesome life. And so, but anyway, I just wanted to take this time to kind of introduce everyone to the idea of, you know, psychosis and autism coexisting together, but also psychosis kind of existing due to autism, um, and things like that. And so I think it's, 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 a, it's a very important topic to talk about, to be able to, to distinguish 
you know, what is autism, what is not autism, what is mental illness, what is not mental illness, what is both, what is one or the other, and things like that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be one of those people that trashes ABA, um, because I, I, I don't know, like, I, I can't really form, to be honest with you, and this is part of my psychosis, in the past I've kind of formulated opinions on ABA, but as I get older, and as I get more into, um, as I learn more about life, um, I'm starting to realize that my opinions about ABA were kind of based off of social skills coaching that I received when I was in college. Um, and I'm learning that social skills coaching isn't necessarily the same as ABA therapy. Now, I do get ABA therapy through the autism waiver um, behavior analysis. Um, but it's only a, a half hour to an hour a week with a person and it's just not true. It's not a true representation of what an ABA program is. Um, now, I know a ton about ABA because I've studied it. Studied it, And uh, I've worked with some people who do ABA. And I'm very fond of them um, because they have a lot of good, you know, there are some good intentions. Um, but then there are also some people who maybe don't know what they're doing and are out there kind of... Um, making it more difficult for people with autism. So I think one of the biggest things for me that's hit me in the past year or two with APA is that I found um, all of these people, these young, passionate people who are in the field of behavior analysis. And I found them on Facebook. And, you know, I immediately found them and I was like, I want to connect with them and I want to talk to them because I thought, well, they're going to help me with social skills. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that was devastating for me was being told by them when I contacted them that their, their code of ethics in their profession from the BACB um, kind of from the behavior analysis certification board prevents them from offering help and guidance through Facebook or if they're not my if I'm not their client and things like that. And so here I was reaching out to all these people that I was kind of in my mind I was looking up to, but they didn't want to offer help or they couldn't offer help because their code of ethics prevented them from offering help. Um, and that also triggered quite a bit of psychosis for me. Because um, you go in there and you think, well, well these people are awesome. They want to help you. And we should pick their brain. And we should talk to them and things like that. Um, but basically, I was just turned away by them. And that kind of hurt. Um, I admit, that kind of hurt a lot. To be turned away by them because the code of ethics requires them to turn me away um, instead of helping me. And so I don't really have a good program. I don't really have a good support system. Um I don't feel like I have a good support system in my life um, as far as from professional supports. Um, now, I have a great support system with friends and family, um, but I don't have the professional supports to help me really grow and overcome a lot of things. Um, and so that's something I'm working on, trying to put in place. And but, but really, I'm trying to do things on my own and trying to create my own happiness and trying to create my own life because one thing I've learned is that we can't rely on other people to create our happiness for us. Um, so people can help us like with the psychosis and, and things like that, but, um, no one's going to cure you of psychosis or no one's going to cure you of mental illness. And, you know, maybe we don't even need to be cured of those things. Maybe we just need to learn to live with them and to do the best that we can with them and be the best person that we can be. And so I think that's all very, very important. And, you know, I think as time goes on, I'm starting to feel more confident that I've got enough supports in place for my friends and my family 
that I'm really going to be able to overcome a lot of challenges with psychosis and the negative symptoms of psychosis. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit of an introduction to what psychosis is to me and what Asperger's and psychosis is and how they exist together and how they exist separate. Um, and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. This podcast is intended to help people that um, are raising children that have psychosis and Asperger's syndrome or autism and psychosis and to help you guys through that. And so I really hope that you guys found some help in this. And if you found this podcast helpful, I encourage you to go uh, to the support page and offer a small monthly contribution to the podcast to help me make the podcast better and help support me as I grow and gain independence. Um, you can do 99 cents a month or four ninety nine a month or nine ninety nine a month. And any donation, even 99 cents a month, is greatly appreciated. So I, I really appreciate you guys tuning into this podcast and check out the links to see how to support. And we'll see you next time on the podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.